Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Get to KO. I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. And as always, we've got Anthony Lujan, but you can call me Lou. So the Lou and I are here right now. We're going to be talking to you guys about UFC 214. It came, it saw, it conquered. What we're able to talk about today is going to be huge. We're going to go through the main event fight. Uh, all the fights on the main event card. Then we're going to talk about our surprise fights for the for the night. These are something that we covered in our last segment. And then if you guys uh, want to keep listening, we're going to also talk about our uh, the fight of the night, which Anthony and I we haven't really discussed um, beforehand, but we're definitely going to talk about it now. So let's just dive right into it. We're going to go right into the main event fight. Uh, we're going to start off with Jimmy versus Vulcan. This was a fight that both Anthony and I had talked about. Anthony, dive into a little bit of detail with it. Oh, short fight, 22 seconds. We uh, we both called that uh, Vulcan was going to win this. We both called that uh, it was going to be a knockout. I did think that it was going to be a first-round knockout, but not that fast. No, you're right, man. It was definitely a huge surprise watching Vulcan just come right out. He took a right to Jimmy as if, like, Jimmy had never fought in the UFC before, or even just fought in MMA before. He walked in, punched him right in the mouth, took him into the clinch, threw him right into the cage, hit him with a couple good shots, and that right hook is ultimately what, you know, buckled Jimmy's leg. And then once Jimmy buckled, uh, you know, Vulcan went in for the kill, pushed him down. Uh, Jimmy's head bounced off the mat, and that was kind of all she wrote. Yeah, definitely. It was a very quick fight. It was... Vulcan's heavy hands just doing all the work, and uh, that's something that we kind of anticipated, that how fast his, does those heavy hands hurt somebody, and uh, Vulcan came out and just showed his dominance. You know, it was very interesting, too. Like, at the end of the fight, they did a post-fight interview, and they were talking to Vulcan, and they asked Vulcan, like, who he wanted, and he said that he wanted to fight the winner of the D.C. Jones fight. So uh, we'll see if Dana responds and says, yeah, that's a fight that he can have. Ultimately, I don't know if he's ready for that kind of a fight yet. I'd like to see him fight Alexander Gustafson to maybe get that number one contention spot. But it is up to it is up to Dana. He wasn't. He was very exciting to see in that short time that he was able to get out there and kind of show what he did, and you know, did exactly what the show says and get the KO. I I definitely agree with you. I think that he uh, should have to go through Alex Alexander uh, Gustafson and. Uh, and earn his way through that. There's no, there's no reason that he would have to fight somebody like Jimmy Manuel and then immediately get, get that uh, title fight. Yes, Jimmy's a, a, a third, uh, the third best lightweight heavy out there, but Alexander's always been a top-tier fighter, and I think Alexander should get the next title fight if we don't see a third uh, Jones-Cormier fight, but that's something we'll talk about here in a little bit. Of course, of course. It's funny though we spent more time talking about this fight than the fight that it actually was. Um, let's move on up the card a little bit. We're going to talk about the Robbie Lawler Donald Cerrone fight. This was an interesting fight. Um, I predict. Uh, I think we both predicted it. We we thought Cowboy was going to win this fight. Ultimately, we thought that his height and his range was going to be a bigger factor. But what we did anticipate was Robbie Lawler coming out and showing what Robbie Lawler really does, and he walked out. I mean, the fight started, he came out, punched Donald Cerrone right in the mouth and put Donald Cerrone in the back. Obviously, we all know that Cowboy likes to start off slow and he picks up the pace as the fight goes on. Lala took advantage of that, jumped in right away, 
went for the one two and just kept kept at it and kept pushing pushing forward. Uh, how did you feel about that first round for that fight? Yeah, definitely. Robbie uh, just came out and got right in the face and said, "Let's do this. Let's bang." And uh, that first that first round was iffy. Like I I had it. I had Cerrone kind of winning that first round because of that takedown. I mean, he didn't do much after that takedown, but he still got that takedown. And uh, he had he had north south. He had side control. Um, that first round was fast and furious. They both decided that they wanted to throw hit and hit. And uh, Robbie's power, I, it looked like it hurt Donald at first, and then Donald just, uh, his eye looked like he got he got punched right in the eye, and his it looked like his eye was swelled. But it, it looked like at the at the end of the first round, his his eye was normal, and I think it was just because he needed a he got poked in the eye. Yeah, no, it definitely seemed that way. When we got into round two. Um, it looked like Robbie Lawler just wasn't really initiating his game plan. Donald cut, started getting back into the fight. Definitely set his range attacks out really well. And then, you know, as the uh, as the fight kept going longer and longer, I kind of felt like Donald might have, might even be able to go in there and sneak into the third round. What we definitely saw was um, Lawler kind of woke up in the third round after his corner told him, "Hey, you need to start initiating this fight and stop backing down." And that's what he did. Ultimately, he came in, he pushed it, pushed the tempo again, and. You know, Cerrone just could not keep up. And, you know, it's funny because the interesting fight that was on the UFC, uh, fight stat that was on UFC.com was, uh, you know, Donald Cerrone landed 2% more punch it, uh, total strikes than uh, than Lawler. But at the same time, Lawler and Cerrone both landed uh, the same percentage. So both have 49%. And uh, only that one takedown, uh, you know, Cerrone threw 10 takedowns in that fight and only got one of them where Lawler only threw a takedown. So it was definitely interesting. Um, I know a lot of people had that fight 2-1 Cowboy. Uh, unfortunately, when I was watching the fight, I did have a 2-1 Lawler because I thought Lawler came out in the third round and showcased what he had. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I, I, I agree with you for the most part. I do see I did I did see that I did see 2-1 Donald with that uh. But that first round of that takedown, they were pretty both pretty even on the strikes in that first round, and then Don, and Donald got that takedown. Um, that second round, though, I uh, I'm very surprised that uh, it got scored the way it did at a 10-9 because uh, total strikes was like 31 to three or 31 to four, and then uh, in that second round, like Don, uh, Donald controlled the whole round. Robbie didn't do nothing in that second round, and in that third round, Robbie got in his face again, and and Donald couldn't do nothing. He even hurt Donald. Like he, you see him holding his ribs, like his left hand was kind of lowered down and trying to block his ribs. Um, but much props. That was a really good fight. I uh, shout out to Robbie Lawler for coming coming back and uh, and showing what he does best and gets in your face, and he he'll take a punch to the chin just like anybody else. Uh, that's the best of that. Um, shout out to Donald for giving us a great fight. He uh, he kind of he kind of knew it was gonna be iffy. You can see it in his face as they uh, they rang, and he kind of was disappointed with the decision, but respected it because it was a great fight. You know, one thing that I forgot that that uh, Joe Rogan actually brought up last night too was, you know, there was that motorcycle accident that Donald Cerrone was in, where he um, you know, he literally had guts like hanging out of him, and he had to have surgery. So you're still kind of wondering like. I know, like, when you have a surgery, especially in the ab- abdominal region, like, you have to really question, like, how strong really is your abs? Because once, once the surgery happens in that region, like, your abs are not as strong as what they once were. 
And even when they do get back to that strength, it takes a long time to develop those abs back up again. So, you know, give it up to Donald Cerrone for fighting, but definitely, that was definitely a huge concern. And even watching him, like when, like you said, he was grabbing his abdomen when in that third round trying to protect that, that right side. It was definitely because of that uh, motorcycle injury. Yeah, definitely. That motorcycle injury uh, really, really screwed up his insides. Um, you you kind of seen that against uh, Rafael Dos Santos when they fought for the title. That one leg kick just put him down, and his uh, his his abs, his abdominal area is big iffy for his MMA career. Like, it doesn't take much to kind of make those uh, abs in that area just completely be torn apart. No, you're definitely right about that. So let's go on, man. So, you know, shout out to Robbie for the win. And we're going to move on to our next fight, Chris Cyborg versus uh, Tanya Evergreen, Everger? Evinger. Um, Evinger, yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, such a great fight. And in the aspect of it was a championship fight, sure. Tanya wanted to go all five rounds. She didn't, you know. But shout out to Tanya, man. Like, for a girl who, like, was up and coming, Two girls turned on the fight to Chris Cyborg. Here comes Tanya, kind of last-minute replacement to kind of save the card. You know, normally she fights at 135. Here she is fighting at 145. Former Invictive FC champion. She steps up to the plate. She goes to fight Cyborg. And, hey, man, she took Cyborg as far as she could take her before, you know, ultimately Cyborg kind of ate her up. But uh, one of the things that we got to talk about, though, is that total strikes, man, the, the significant strike factor, especially, man, on UFC.com. Uh, Chris Cyborg, 74 out of 143 for 51%. Uh, to Tanya for 32 for 85 for uh, 37%. The one thing about the one thing that we're that's not being discussed about in this fight is the fact that Tanya withstood a lot of punches and a lot of barrage from uh, the barrage of punches just coming from Cyborg to strikes. She was eating a lot of shots and she was taking them well. She really wanted to try to make this a, a dirty fight. And the aspect of, hey, let me get Cyborg into this, let me grip, grab Cyborg, take her, take her down, defend, 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 and then try to make this into a, a brawl, more, a more of a brawler's kind of fight. The one thing I did say on the on the blog earlier was that you know Cyborg is experienced. She's been fight, she's been fighting for so long. She's been training since 2005. She's been doing this for a long time. So she she's seen it all, and she was able to kind of counter Tanya. And, and, you know, ultimately Tanya had a, she got dropped, she fell down, Cyborg jumped her and started to start beating her down and ended up taking the TKO in the third round. How did you feel about the fight? Uh, definitely. I uh really surprised on how long this fight lasted. I really thought it was going to be a first round finish. If maybe she might get out of the first round. The second round is she's definitely done. Uh, I, I, I've seen both these fighters uh, fighting since 2008, 2009. What, they, they both were fighting in uh, Elite XC. I mean, that's where I first seen Tony Evinger against my all-time favorite fighter, uh, female fighter, and uh, Gina Carano. Uh, I, nothing, no, nothing spectacular back then, and just she looked decent. For the most part, she took everything. She Everything Chris threw at her, she... She she landed, and Tanya just let it go. It was, at the end of the fight, you could tell that Tanya was just trying to uh, not get knocked out completely and kind of 
tired, iffy, didn't know what to, to think, didn't want to really throw anymore. And ultimately, Cyborg doing what Cyborg does best and getting a stoppage and getting that belt. You know, the one thing I think about Cyborg, though, man, is that Cyborg is a lot like a, she's like a, like a tsunami. You know what I mean? Like, they always talk about tsunamis and, like, the scariness of a tsunami, and it's, it's never the first wave that sweeps you by. But that second wave or that third wave or that fourth wave eventually comes through and eventually just takes you, you know. And Cyborg is a, is a lot like a tsunami where, like, the, the, if you don't get knocked out by the first barrage of punches, the second ones are going to do it. So the second ones is the third ones. It's the fourth ones. But these barrages of punches that come, and it's coming in waves, and you just, you, you're either going to eat the shots or you're going to move. But eventually she's going to get you. And, and that's what, exactly how she fights, you know. She's, you know, not not to poke fun, but you know, Tanya Tanya fought Gina Carano, and there's Gina Carano fighting Chris. Chris gets ended in a uh, Chris ends Gina in the first round. Fast forward a few years later, here's Tanya and Chris fighting, and Tanya's going to distance. And it just shows like the tenacity for Tanya and like how well she's doing. But then it also shows you like just how you know Chris's corner was literally telling her, "Hey, show off your game, show off what you can do." You're on a big stage. Let these people know what you got. And she did, man. She was just methodically just hitting Tanya all the time. And Tanya would take a punch to the face, back up to the cage, wait for Chris to come at her, try to get the quick tie up and try to get the quick takedown. But it just ultimately, it just was not successful. You know, she did take down Chris one time, which was cool. But Cyborg was able to get back up and then just methodically just pick her apart. I'm going to take the leg. I'm going to take the shoulder. I'm going to take the head. I'm going to take the chest. I'm going to take the back. I'm going to take... She just methodically just kept hitting her, kept hitting her, kept hitting her, and ultimately she got that... She got the knockout. Yeah, definitely. Um, nothing but respect for Tanya Avenger. I mean, after last week, I kind of, like, bagged her, so my apologies out there to Tanya Avenger. As I learned just yesterday that... Uh, that she had the chance, she weathered a lot of what Chris could do, and uh, pops out to her. I'm gonna give her a shout out. Like, congratulations, you did a, what a lot of people can't do, and go into that third round with Chris. Um, Chris, congratulations. I when I watched uh, Chris doing her weight cut uh, about a year ago, I did not like Chris Cyborg, but seeing what she goes through and the pain that she does, the the training camp she does, I have nothing but respect for Chris now, and I'm happy now that she has a title in her hands. You know, Chris is one of those fighters, man, that she's definitely put out the effort. She's always going to put out the effort, so I definitely enjoy watching her do her thing. Um, I've been a fan of Chris Cyborg for a long time. It's definitely good. She's been holding titles, like, all over. So definitely fun. I know a lot of my friends were all talking about how she needs to fight Demetrius Johnson next because she's just dominating the girls' bracket which I found interesting, and then somebody mentioned that she needs to find she needs to fight someone who's of transgender, and I just happened to bring up Fallon Fox's name, and I don't think guys actually knew that there was a person who fought that was transgender. <laughs> so it was just interesting to see, but, you know, I definitely, you definitely have to give it to Tanya. Tanya definitely was weathering a storm, and like you mentioned, man, not very many fighters who fight, you know, cyborgs make it to the third round, if they can make it to the third round. So, you know, shout out to Tanya. I know Tanya said she was disappointed, and even in the in the interview for the UFC, 
the post-fight interview, you know, she said she fought like a pussy. But let's be honest, mm-hmm. man. Anybody who's sitting in a in a in a ground, standing their ground for three rounds against Chris Cyborg, hey, props to you. Um, let's go on. We're gonna move on to the next fight. This was uh, this probably was the worst fight on the card, which is weird to say because this is a championship fight. But uh, Tyrone, the chosen one, Woodley versus Damian Maya. And let's be real, man. Um, I'll be the first one to say this was a snooze fest. Uh, both fighters together uh, throwing roughly about 70 or 86 punches together set a record in the UFC for least or less, most least strikes thrown in a fight. And then even Damian Maya, you know, trying to go out there and work on his wrestling game against a guy who is a wrestler. And he just went 0 for 21 in, in takedown attempts. So to me, uh, this was a no, uh, no-brainer. no It's not something I was really paying attention to. Uh, Tyrone did win the fight. He did get the one knockdown. You know, so judges kind of scored it his way. Uh, interesting to see the sc- scorecards, 49-46, 49-46, and then uh, 50-45. But it all did go to Tyrone. How did you feel about the fight? Uh, just like you, snooze fest. I was kind of disappointed. I uh, really knew that uh, that Tyrone Woodley had the wrestling background, um, but I didn't think Damian Maya would go over twenty one and takedowns. Probably one of the best grapplers out there. Just could not do nothing. Tyrone. Tyrone has a low center of gravity, and he used it to an advantage. And the one thing that Maya that should have done that he didn't do was throw head kicks. So keep 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 Tyrone on his feet. He didn't use his legs at all. He didn't uh, he didn't throw a much either. I mean, twenty nine out of ninety. I'm getting this up at the USC.com page right now. Twenty nine total strikes landed, and. And a lot of those were the, the fourth and the fifth rounds. Um, one thing that I did notice on his uh, his attempts to uh, take Tyrone down is, as wrestlers, we all know that when you when you shoot and you and you you, you hit your knee, you got to drive through. And he wasn't driving through. He would he would stop on his knees, and it was made it easy for Tyrone just to push him away or. Or when he got his leg, Tyrone was able to shake it off because he was not driving through. Um, big snooze fest, just completely, completely boring. Uh, one of probably one of the worst welterweight fights, title fights I've seen in a long time. Um, I really thought Damian Maya was going to be able to do something more than what he did, and he didn't. He didn't come out and show. I will give that up. I will give him one prop though. He did come out. To Lincoln Park, which put tingles in my body. No, it was definitely cool to see that he was kind of paying tribute to, uh, you know, Lincoln Park, and once again, you know, rest in peace to Chester Bennington. Um, but no, like it, it definitely was disappointing to see, you know. And then Woodley was trying to defend himself, like, hey, you know, I defended all those takedowns. But like you said, you know, you, as a as a wrestler, and Damian Maya talked about how he trains all of his wrestling. Up in New Jersey on the post uh, post fight interview, he talked about I train all the time here in New Jersey, and I I work on my wrestling all the time, and I didn't get that chance to. So for five weeks, because I took it on short fight notice, I couldn't fight like the way I wanted to fight. But some of my coaches came down to help me fight. Like 
I get it, man. I get it. You know, like you're you're one of the top you want to be one of the top wrestlers in the world, but you're fighting one of the top wrestlers in the world, and it's not working out for you, man. And so in the first or second round, if your takedown game's not working, you got to change your game plan. You have to change positions. You have to look for something else. And in the fourth and fifth round, yeah, sure, Damian Maya was trying to throw strikes, but that's probably something he should have started doing in the third round, really started focusing on, because those fourth and fifth rounds, things started to kind of pick up, and it was cool. But once again, you know, we see a Tyrone Woodley where he's fighting uh, at a distance and making people come to him, but then he's still trying to keep him out with his with his punches because, you know, the Stephen Thompson fight was definitely a, a good example of where two dudes who understood that they both had knockout power but just did not engage. And, you know, credit to, you know, trying to stay out of the pocket, but ultimately it just leaves the boring fights in. What we found out later that Dana was like, nope, uh, Tyrone Woodley is not going to be fighting uh, – GSP, and we'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit. But it's just it's interesting. So now, to me, I think a Robbie Lawler has to be that guy that's in the in the contention now to fight uh, Tyrone Woodley. I uh, interesting. I uh, I after that first after that first attempt by Maya that he actually drove through with his knees, put Woodley against the cage. But in doing so, in that process, he got uppercutted right in the eye, and I think that that kind of weared on his attempts for the rest of the card or the rest of the fight. Like, he did not want to take that huge hit again and this time completely get KO'd or something. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, with, with, the, with the whole welterweight thing going on, I think that uh, Lawler is in – is in that position right now to maybe get that fight. But I also do really want to see Wonder Boy Woodley 3, even though Woodley's up 2-0. Or, no, yeah, I wouldn't want to see that fight again. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see that fight again just because the first fight was a little bit exciting because, you know, they were engaging in each other. And then uh, the second fight, man, they just weren't engaging, like, they're both standing at a distance. They're both trying to figure out each other, you know, and you would think that after five rounds, they would figure it out. Going into, like, the seventh, eighth round, they were both kind of still hesitant. And it wasn't up until, about like, the fourth round where Woodley landed that strike that ultimately dropped uh, Thompson, uh, you know, Wonderboy. And, uh, you know, it's it's definitely not one of those fights that I think that is, is called yet to fight until we see Steve Wonderboy get back into the cage and start handling his business again. But uh, for right now, I just I don't think that that should be the fight that gets picked. I I, I can agree with you on that one. I really can. All right, man. So we got to move on, man, because you know that Woody fight was boring, and we've already spent too much time on it. Because let's be real, uh, that was that was the dullest fight of the night. So let's move on, man. So we have the championship fight, the main event fight of the night, where we're going to be talking about. Uh, DC versus Jones, too. This was a huge fight. We've been waiting for this fight for about two years in the making. Uh, to recap a little bit, uh, fight one, jo- John Jones took it to de- was a decision, right? Yeah, it was a five-round decision at the end of it. Jones came out on top. And Jones, Jones scored five takedowns in that fight, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken? Six. Six. So he definitely dominated the first the first fight. I know. DC was upset because, you know, between heavyweight and light heavyweight, he had never lost a fight. And then when he fought Jones, he caught his first L. And so since then, he'd been dominating at light heavyweight. 
Uh, Jones, not as successful in his life because he has uh, he had drug problems, rehab stint, uh, got busted by USADA for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, and then from there, it was just event, uh, pr- problem after problem, a year suspension. Uh, he did have that successful fight against OSP, and then, you know, another year that the suspension continued. Um, but him coming back, man, fighting D.C. for the championship fight, uh, this did not look like the same Bones Jones that uh, had been so, I don't know how to say, boisterous, like, his striking was really, like, on point. Like, he didn't have any kind of ring rust to him, which was definitely excellent to see. I know when he fought OSP, he said it himself that he had a lot of ring rust, and it was good that he got it out. But it looked like he'd been sparring for a year straight, waiting for DC. And to credit to DC, uh, Jones definitely did try to get some takedowns in. And, uh, you know, Jones, or uh, DC definitely bringing in uh old boy from Duke from the Duke wrestling team to come help him train a little bit, uh, definitely benefited him because uh, DC was able to to stop a lot of the takedowns that John Jones was usually throwing. And, you know, it's funny because uh, when I was watching the pre-fight, uh, I forget what the guy's name from Duke was, the Duke wrestler, uh, he said that he hated John Jones, and every person on his wrestling team said that he wrestled like John Jones. And so when he went to go train with DC... DC said he felt like he was kind of in the ring with John Jones, even though it was a uh, it was this kid from uh, Duke. So it was definitely interesting to see that DC took an, another approach to his game and definitely wanted to push the tempo of it. But uh, you know, in the first rounds, man, the first couple rounds, I think you and I had a split, right? Because I think you had Jones winning round one. I think I had DC winning round one, and it was just the opposite in round two. Yeah, definitely. Uh... We both had it. We both had it opposite. I had uh, I had Jones winning that first round. He came out and DC and was kind of throwing DC around, throwing more strikes. And then that second round, DC was up in his face. He was throwing more. He was talking more. He was talking more trash. It, it looked, DC looked really good in that second round. I thought. No, no, you're definitely right. He definitely looked. Um, you know, they looked. It, it was it was weird to see like the kind of in the flip. But then what we saw in John Jones in the third round is, you know, it was it was crazy because throughout the whole fight you can kind of see what the game plan was a little bit for John Jones, and it was, you know, if you're going to throw strikes, throw strikes everywhere. Don't just throw strikes here and there. Like, don't just aim for the head. Don't just aim for the body. Don't just aim for the legs. But mix your strikes up. And we talk about the perfect fighters and how they're able to strike in all regions at any given time. And uh, one thing we definitely saw was, you know, John Jones would throw a, a two-hit combo where it'd be like one, uh, two to the head, one to the and throw a kick to the leg, or he'd throw two to the body, one to the leg, one to the leg, one to the body, one to the head. Like we saw, like we saw this big mix-up of bags, and ultimately what happened was is DC was trying to anticipate where the kick was going to be coming. He thought that the he thought a, a kick was definitely coming for the abdomen. He braced for it. He lowered his head down. He lowered his hand, his arm, and his head getting ready for to, to, to take the shot, and Jones is definitely aiming high and kicked him right in the head, and that's kind of was a downfall for D.C. You know, D.C. took the head kick, kind of fell backwards a little bit, went to the cage. Uh, then we saw the trip that happened that ultimately kind of put D.C. on the ground, and, you know, John Jones just finished the fight right off the top, man. Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, in, in that second round, you can you, you kind of you could hear the... Uh, 
the corner of John Jones saying uh, he's ducking to the left. Every time you throw a leg kick or every time you lift up your fist, he's kind of ducking to that left. And in that third round, you could hear the, his corner say nine, nine, nine. And uh, with Greg Jackson, that, he, that nine call is definitely a head kick. And uh, they kept calling for it, and eventually, like you called it last night, Shin the Chin music just got him, and it it shocked Daniel. Like, he didn't know where he was going. He kind of spun out of control, hit the cage, and you'd be right then and there. It was done. Uh, Jones came in flying. I thought he was going to come with a flying knee, kind of kicked him in the rib a little bit, and put him on his rear end and finished the fight. Yeah, I definitely thought that the fight was going to end with the flying knee because he threw that. And then you saw DC duck, and then he actually hit him in the face with the foot, which was even like even crazy to strike because he was definitely going for the head. He couldn't reach with the knee, and then he just let his foot fly out, and it definitely caught uh, DC. And you could tell DC was in a lot of trouble just right off the start. You know, it's and it's nothing to take away from DC. Okay, so by all means, DC is an amazing champion, and you know John Jones was like he's the greatest has ever been. I don't really know that to be true because, I mean, we just watched John Jones dominate D.C. And even though, like, in the last two years, John Jones hasn't been around, D.C. has been taking these fights to, you know, Alexander, to Anthony Roman Johnson. He's been fighting guys, and he's been dominating these guys. But to be honest, man, it's like, yeah, uh, D.C. was a great champion. As far as, like, the greatest champion, not so much because, you know, John Jones, it was always that was always the thing. Like, hey, he's great, but is he as great as John Jones? And ultimately, we found out last night was, no, he's not. And even if we took this fight, let's say we put this fight a year and a half back, I still think John Jones dominates DC the way he did today or last night. It's definitely there. It's definitely huge. It's not a question. It's just, you know, you're talking about these two dudes who throw it down and. You know, and I and I kind of feel bad, too, in the same token, because DC was like, you know, if you lose both the fights, is it really a rivalry? Well, yeah, it's still a rivalry, because even John Jones said you were his rival. He's acknowledged you as his rival, and, you know, you definitely pushed him to be better than what he is. And that's ultimately what a rivalry is, is you're looking for that guy who pushes you to the next level. And DC, can he bounce back and beat John Jones? Sure he can. Any given day, it's the UFC. Anything can happen, but all, but what we're what we're going to start looking for is how is how does DC bounce back? Does DC hang him up? Does DC say he's done? Does DC come back and say, hey, I want another fight? Does DC work his way up to another championship fight? Who knows? Let's find out. It's and, you know we have another year, man, where DC can make those kind of decisions. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I agree with you with that. I. Uh... I'm really surprised on how this uh this this fight actually ended like coming out like Jones looked Jones looked like Jones coming down the down the entrance doing the Ric Flair woo and all hyped up I and then DC coming out just not fighting with his emotions like they did in the he, he did in the first fight he then Daniel came out emotional in that first fight was throwing everything he could at at Jones and ultimately. That's paid the price. Um, DC looked calm, collected. He looked like everything that he threw was uh, was was there for him. And uh, 
and it looked like he knew what he had to do to kind of grind out a win and um, kept ducking to the left, ducking to the left, finally caught that ch- that that shin to the chin and ultimately lost uh, lost control of the fight and lost the fight. Uh, very emotional. D- Daniel Daniel wanted this win like this is this was haunting him for two years like he got beat by jones after everything that's been said everything that's been done jones uh jones was ever able to do it again and uh you can see in the uh in 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 the post uh fight interview like he wasn't there he was crying he was very emotional and he wasn't there mentally either because he just got knocked out uh in that post, that, that, that interview with Joe Rogan, he said, I think I took a kick to the face. Like, he couldn't even remember it. Like, like it, was, it was that bad for him. And I feel bad for him uh, that he went out like that. I mean, it is UFC. So I, say that again. I finish your point. Uh, I, I, it, it is the UFC, and there are crazy knockouts. Um, but like, but like, like Jones said, he was the perfect image of a champion, of a father, of a human being, and uh, being being Joe Rogan. Joe, like Joe Rogan's apologized. Joe Rogan definitely should have seen that. Maybe I should not have interview interview him because he was trying to push forward during the decision and putting the belt on Jones. Like, DC was not there. Joe Rogan should have been like, all right, no, I should not have interviewed him. I should not be doing this. Well, it's a credit to Joe Rogan, right? Joe said this himself. He's like, I probably shouldn't have done that interview, but I needed to let the man speak. And even Dana White agreed, too. Dana was like, hey, you know, we definitely need to let him have his moment and his time to speak, and I think that that would have been the appropriate moment as well. So I definitely, I kind of agree with Joe Rogan. Was it a great idea? Probably not. Was it something you probably should have done? Probably not. But should it have been done? Yeah, I think so. I think in the same token, he should have. He definitely did. It was. It was sad. I mean, we just saw a raw emotion of what DC was going through, you know. And yeah. you know, you like you said, DC said, "I think I got hit with a head kick." I was like, "Dude, you definitely got hit with a head kick. You got KO'd. I, it was rough." <laughs> I definitely disagree with you with this. I think that uh, with what happened. I think that's what you have, that's what post fight uh conferences are for for them to uh to kind of express what was going on. Yes, DC had to go to the hospital. Yes, for for the concussion, that's protocol, but uh still the right after the fight after getting knocked out, you should not be able to to be speaking like that. Like he he wasn't there. He wasn't there emotionally. I think that they should have waited until he was ready. You know, I mean, and it goes back to it goes back to how like in pro 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 sports, right? So like not just in in the UFC or MMA, but like football, basketball. There's um, it's I think they always have like a 15 minute window is what they call it, where like players go into the locker room and just kind of vent and let the frustration go before the media is ever allowed to go in there and talk to them. And it's kind of interesting with the UFC because the UFC does the same thing like 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 the boxing world where. Both fighters are still in the ring. All parties are in the ring, and everybody's talking about how the fight was handled, right? So it was definitely, I don't know. I, I mean, because it happens in combative sports, is different from what it is in, like, 
you know, football or even baseball, I definitely thought that it was definitely something that, you know, it was allowed and it's something that should have happened. I mean, we have guys all the time who have these heartbreaking losses, like, um, with your decisions and they're just like, man, because, you know, Donald Cerrone is a, definitely a perfect example where he thought he won the fight against uh, Robert Lawler. He had a lot of emotions. He could have definitely just gone off the case and said, you know what, F this, F that. I'm not really a part of these guys. These guys suck, blah, 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 blah. These judges hate me. Well, he didn't. He kept cool, calm, and composed. DC, after he, DC legitimately thought that the fight got ended early. He was knocked out so bad that he thought that the fight ended early. It was prematurely stopped. And he was arguing with Dana about it. And Dana was like, you need to watch the instant replay. And once he saw the instant replay, he understood, like, yeah, it, it happened. I got knocked out, and that's ultimately what paid the price. But as far as the interview goes, I mean, there's plus and minuses to both sides. Should he have done it? Probably not. Is it, you know, was it something that DC needed to kind of get some words out? Sure, but, I mean, ultimately, you know, there's two different opinions. Everybody's going to see it 50-50. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I see where you're coming from with that. I, I don't agree with you. I uh the decision part, like the Donald Cerrone, it could have been like, no, I, I think I won that fight. But when you're getting knocked out, and you and and we both, me and you both, have been knocked out in our lives. Um, we we can kind of come back to it and say that I, the first few minutes you're disoriented, you're like you don't know what's going on. Um, then that's where the difference between decision and getting knocked out comes to the interview part. Like if you're getting knocked out, definitely that the UFC doesn't usually want you to be talking right after the fight. They want you to be able to get your head clear and and to a decision, decision's decision. You're not your 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 mind is there. You're you're fully comprehending everything that's going on and D C last night was not. Yeah, I know. So let's get into um the the post post remarks. We had the post fight interview and then we had or right after the fight and then we had D, uh John Jones picking up the microphone, and, and, you know, it's funny because you and I talked about this earlier in the week where uh, John Jones said that, yeah, I would love to fight Brock Lesnar, you know, and then Brock Lesnar responds with anytime, anywhere, and then what does John Jones do? He picks up the microphone and he says, Brock Lesnar, if you want to know what it feels like to get your ass beat by a guy who's 40 pounds lighter than you, come find me, uh, come meet me in the octagon. And then you have Brock Lesnar who responds by saying, um... Be careful what you wish for, young man. So it's definitely interesting to see that that's a fight that's in the works. Two guys who now openly want to say that they want to fight each other. I'm a, that's that's a fight that I'm excited for. Yes, definitely. And we kind of talked to, talked about this beforehand, and uh, we we're talking about the suspension and everything. And uh, you you made you made me eat my words. Uh, his suspension is actually over. It's not the suspension. It's, he's got to wait six months because he's coming out of retirement. Yeah, so now that, now that he's done with his retirement, he's got to go through uh, six months of testing with uh, USADA. Once USADA says he's clear to go, he's able to enter the, enter the ring. Um, you know, and even at that, that we say um, he came out of retirement for testing back in July, early July. So we could say August, September, October, November, December, January. Uh, January would be like the time that he could be back in. Uh, but what's funny though is that he actually won't even be able to fight until after March because you know the WWE does have him contracted all the way till March. He's been in a huge storyline uh, right now for the WWE, especially with him being a Universal Champion. We we'll definitely see him like 
moving along, and it's ultimately going to see uh, we could see a John Jones. Actually, we could definitely see a John Jones versus uh, you know Brock Lesnar at UFC 230 next year or 225 next year. What's it going to so, next July? It'll definitely be. A, say again. So yeah, so looking into this, he's Brock's got commitments with the WWE. He's got to get tested all the way up through January. Um, and I was just reading into this, and with him being tested through January, he won't actually be able to start his training camp till January. So you yeah. got you got eight weeks, nine weeks of training camp before before after we're actually going to see them two fight. So. It's going to be March, April, May, possibly June of next year before we get to actually see this fight, which hopefully we get to see John Jones two or three more times before then. You know, I definitely think it's going to be a, a July time. I, I, I think it's going to be a July fight. I really 100% believe that this fight, if it happens, will be in July, and I think in that time frame we're going to see John Jones fight. Um, you're probably going to see him fight uh, Alexander Gustafson one more time. That's definitely going to be a fight that's going to be huge. And depending on uh, the Vulcan fight, whether they decide Vulcan, they may even decide, it might be Vulcan that fights John Jones next. But uh, we're definitely going to see, you know, two big name fights that are going to come out of it. And don't be surprised if, uh, you know, John Jones decides that he wants to jump to heavyweight and fight someone like uh, Andre Vlosky type caliber, someone that's kind of in his same weight, but someone that's in the heavyweight range. I'd be surprised if you see someone see him fight Andre Alaski before he takes on someone like Brock Lesnar. So it's definitely something I'm kind of saying that it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but it'll be definitely interesting. Um, it, it it should be a lot of fun to see. Uh, you know, coming up we have uh, uh, actually I want before we get into UFC 217. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is our surprise fights. So last week you had mentioned Ricardo Lamas versus Jason Knight fight. How did you feel about that fight? Um. I did not see that fight coming the way it did. Um, looking at it right now, uh, first round knockout it looks like. Uh, I actually did not get to watch much of this fight. I was busy doing a couple of things, but uh, looking at the uh, looking at the strikes and there on all the all the stats on USC.com, um, forty three to eighteen, forty two to eight, it one takedown to zero takedowns. Um, I, I did call Ricardo Lamas winning this fight, but I did not call it by KO or TKO. Um, it looks it looks like uh, Ricardo Lamas looked really good at 69% throwing, 68% significant strikes. He was able to kind of defend off the, that takedown by Jason Knight. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I called it right. So, congrats to me, I guess. Props up to that. I'll pat myself on the back for that. Um, well, let's see what happens with Ricardo Lamas in the future. Yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, my surprise fight of the night was definitely the Sterling versus uh, Renat, uh, Raynan fight. Um, one thing I definitely was kind of disappointed in Raynan, uh, I really thought that he was going to have a lot more to showcase, but he just obviously, uh, you know, his head, his head game's probably not just into it anymore. Uh, you know, going he's uh, only won one win. He's had one win in the last six fights. So, five, he, you know, technically he's on a five fight losing streak, even though he won one kind of like right in the middle. Uh, he's definitely having some struggles, man. He definitely didn't look like him. He's getting out-tagged. Out uh, significant strikes was definitely a crazy 
Uh, Sterling himself had 71, 71 of 121 strikes, uh, significant strikes, to the 19 of 85 that, that Renan was able to throw. He did score two takedowns in the fight where uh, Sterling got one, but ultimately uh, judges saw the decision with Sterling. I think I had uh, Renan winning that fight because he was coming off of that TJ Dillshaw loss, and he was starting to look really good again, but then... You know, everything just kind of fell apart for him, and I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Renan now. But looking at Sterling, Sterling looked like he's uh, he's ready for the next level, so it'll definitely be fun to see what he can do in the future. Uh, so the fight of the night actually went to, uh, with a fight of the night performance of the night, went to Ortega and uh, uh, Moicano. Uh, yeah. Definitely. That, the, it, that was, was a great the, fight. You know, so so many guys that don't get to watch um, the prelim fights, or you don't want to watch the prelim fights, you you definitely want to make sure you're paying attention to them because there are some fights in those fights that in those fight cards that are so awesome that people don't really get to see. Uh, Brian Ortega, he's a great striker, an amazing black belt uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but he was being dominated the whole fight. Uh, you know, he just to give you an idea of total strikes. Uh, Ortega, 65 of 220 for 29%. Significant strikes was 65 of 220 for 29%. Where, uh, you know, uh, Moicano, man, he was 111 of 254 for 43%. And in significant strikes, he was 109 for 252. So a lot of bombs were being thrown in this fight back and forth. It almost looked like a, like, uh, like a funny tag team kind of match. Because at one point, it's like, Moicano, Moicano would throw a lot of punches. And then he would tag Ortega. Ortega would throw a punch of punches. He'll tag him. And it goes back and forth. The one thing I felt kind of interesting, though, was in the third round, uh, Moicano just wanted to change the game up. So he went for a takedown. And you can tell that Moicano's uh, double-A takedowns, he wasn't ready. He wasn't really paying attention. He left his neck out. And Ortega was able to take advantage of it, put him in a guillotine, lock him up, and choke him out. And that's ultimately what cost Moicano the fight. I think Moicano was winning that fight all the way up until that point, so I definitely had the fight going 2-1 uh, Moicano's way. Some people might have had a 1-1. Uh, but, yeah, Moicano made the mistake, went for the takedown, got tapped out, and it was definitely something that was was a ridiculous, ridiculous fight. I agree with you. I uh, I had that. I actually got to watch that fight, and uh, I actually had that. Uh, if that would have went the distance, I think it would have been a 30-27 kind of fight I would have uh, had. Uh, Moyakano, uh winning that fight. I mean, he looked good. All these strikes were going good. Uh, and he went two for two for takedowns for 100%. Uh, Brian Ortega went 0 for 2. Um, but just that one, they're, they're both throwing bombs, hitting each other. They're standing. They're hitting each other. They weren't, they're there to bang, to, to make a name for themselves, and they did. And one mistake cost uh, Renato uh, the, the fight. And props out to Brian Ortega for getting a takedown and finding that immediately submission and getting that tap out. Yeah, it was definitely good on him. He was definitely razor sharp with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and it looked really good. So one fight, too, on the UFC Fight Pass, if you guys didn't get the chance to check it out, uh, there was a ladies' fight on the Fight Pass. It was definitely one of the greater fights that I think that um, I saw. Uh, Kaylin Curran out of Hawaii versus Alexandra Albul uh, out of Russia. Uh Definitely a lot of fun to watch. Uh, just shout-outs to the girls, man, because Kayla Curran, uh, I'm sorry, to the women's division. Kayla Curran, uh, I'm always a fan of Hawaiian fighters. If I've never shied away from saying that. Uh, Kayla Curran was standing in the ring. She was just ready to go. She was taking a lot of hits. She was throwing a lot of punches. 
Uh, just kind of give you guys a quick fight stats. Uh, total strikes was 153 to 220, uh, 232, 65%. Uh, her significant strikes was 86 of 157 for 54%. Uh, Alexandra, uh, total strikes was 109 to 221 for 49%. And her significant strikes was 82 of 181 for uh, 45%. The thing that made this fight so significant, right, was Kaylin uh, was 1 for 3 for her takedowns for 33%. Alexandra, though, 5 of 8 for 62%. So any takedown she wanted to grab, uh, you know, with the exception of the 3, she was able to take down Kaylin. Uh, a lot of ground and pound. Kaylin uh, did land a couple of big significant strikes where Alexander, you know, had a couple of big cuts on her face that was costing her. Uh, but those girls, man, they were banging it out. Uh, Alexandra, by the way, is probably going to be one of my new favorite fighters because uh, she just looked really good in the fight. Uh, you know, if if you didn't get a chance to check out those fights, it's definitely one I would recommend, and you should definitely uh, go through and check out. How'd you feel? How, did you get a chance to see it, Anthony? I did. I actually got to watch the fight past fights. Um, shout out to both those girls. They they both looked like they were both doing what they needed to do. Uh, Curran was heavy hitting her and then Abu Abu was uh was doing her takedowns uh she she controlled the ground and ultimately got the w those two girls were ready to fight fight and i can't wait to see those two back at it again i mean uh caitlin curran's gonna go out and uh find somebody that's gonna that's not gonna want to wrestle and they're gonna they're gonna go blow to blow they're not afraid she's not afraid to punch she's not afraid to take hits either uh so shout out to those. Um, I also want to kind of touch up on the, the other the other fight that uh, that was on the prelims. Uh, Josh Berkman versus Drew Dober. Uh, Drew Dober getting that KO uh, win uh, in the in the first round. Uh, controlled the fight. I'm looking at the stats right now. It was uh, he threw 34 total strikes and landed 20 of them. And significant strikes was 15 out of 29. Uh, Josh Berkman, who is no, who's no joke, who, uh, who can, who's been able to get some good wins and pick a, and not afraid to throw blows either. Uh, 11 out of 18 for, uh, both significant and total strikes for 62%. I, uh, he got, he got clocked by Drew Dober and, uh, Drew finished him hard. I, I was excited to see that. I'm excited to see what Drew Dober is going to do in the UFC. I really am excited to see the future for this kid. Yeah, definitely. Uh, was it a head kick, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a nasty head kick, kick that ended the fight. Long. Yeah, definitely was a uh, definitely pretty ruthless. I'm not gonna lie. So we kind of covered over the uh, UFC 214. We're gonna talk about the UFC 217. Obviously, uh, the biggest news coming out: Dana White saying that uh, GSP was being pulled from the Tyrone Woodley fight due to Woodley not wanting to engage. So Michael Bisbing is going to be stepping into that spot. So Michael Count Bisbing versus uh, George the Rush St. Pierre. We're definitely seeing that fight. Uh, some of the other fights that I kind of want to see on this fight card, I don't know, Anthony, you could throw your two cents in on as well. Uh, but uh, as far as me, some, some of the other fights I'd like to see, I'd like to see the Tyrone Woodley versus Robbie Lawler fight on the same fight card, as well as uh, Cyborg. Hopefully they can get her deal done before October. Uh, Cyborg versus Holly Holm. I think that that might be an interesting matchup to see. And then, you know, just one other fun matchup out there, just to kind of throw it out there, man, it would be uh, Vulcan and John Jones. I mean, it just definitely could be in the wheelhouse, especially if both fighters are are cleared through their uh, 45-day suspensions and they can uh, both get this fight going. What do you think? 
Um, agreed with you on the most part. I don't think John Jones versus Vulcan on that same card is a good idea because Jones and Vulcan would have to be the, the headliner, and you got George St. Pierre coming back, so you know he's got to be the headliner on that. Um, Tywin Woodley versus uh, Robbie Lawler, too. That would definitely be one to kind of uh, – to kind of keep your eye on for the, for that for that uh, November time area, that's when UFC 217 is going to be. Um, who else would I like to see on that fight? I would love to finally see uh, old girl uh, that just ducked out of UFC 216 or or 213. Um, the women's champion at 135. You know what, I can't believe you know. Huh? You know what, Oh, a man. Yeah, Amanda Nunez versus uh, Valentina Shavminko. Uh They still have not really set a date for when they're going to go, and I think that November time frame, if not earlier, would be perfect. So let's, let's make this a double title fight. Let's make this a triple title fight. So, actually, um, I think that fight is actually scheduled for 2.15, if I'm not mistaken. I'm like, looking at um, this right now. 215 is uh, Demetrius Johnson versus Ray Borg. Right, but I think on the other card of that fight is Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko. And you're, you and are correct. I, I did not notice that. Um, that that's actually going to be a no. That part. was something they. Yeah, no, that was something they definitely announced last night during the fight. Like if uh, you were watching the kind of kind of paying attention to like the the in betweens of the fights. That was definitely something they announced was that that was going to be a fight that that was going to happen. And, uh, you know, as they said, like, Amanda wasn't going to be uh, no longer headlining the fight card, but that was definitely a fight that got announced. Yeah, definitely. So then you got, so you got August, so you got no, October, November. So who would we like to see on the, this one? What about, what about Joanna? How about when is she going to defend her next title? Yeah, so Jennifer Lee jo- Joanna would definitely be a fun fun one to watch. Uh, as far as an opponent goes for her, it's kind of a, you know it's always up to the UFC, but definitely Joanna would definitely be fun fun to watch. Um, you know, somebody else I would like to see also in that fight card. Um, you know, I I really think that MSG right, so Madison Square Garden. This is where the UFC has been trying to penetrate through into New York the whole time. You're finally gonna get to have a show at the at Madison Square Garden. Why not let it all hang out? Why not let all five fights be championship fights? That that I mean, would be hard to just, do, just money wise and uh, and headliners wise. I think five five title fights would be really really stacked. Um, I don't think that that'd almost be possible. Like just even timing wise, you got to think five. If if for some reason all these all five fights go five rounds, you're talking five hours worth of fights. Like it, it's almost impossible. What's five hours worth of greatness? That's what we're really talking about. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about let's talk about some of the fighters who could possibly be on that fight card if we want to make it that way, right? So let's just say, you know, uh, Joanne shows up on that fight card. Okay, so there's one championship fight. Let's say John. Uh, let's say we have um, uh, Max Holloway on that fight card. There's another fight card that we have. Obviously, we know that GSP is fighting uh, Bisping. There's another fight that we would have on that fight card. Let's say Tyrone Rodley and Robbie Lawler agree that they want to fight at UFC 217. There's another fight that we could have right there right off the bat for a title. Yeah. As far as, a, yeah. as a, yeah. an, another title, 
we have Chris Hyborg who just got them, you know, beating up on Tanya, Holly Holm, ready to come back and fight. There's another fight that we could just put on the same fight card. Now, would the UFC do it? Of course not, because it doesn't make sense financially. You're right. It doesn't make sense because you could spread those five fights across, and you'd have five great fights for the next, you know, three or four months. But I just think that if you want to step into MSG and you want to have a great fight, this is how you do it. As far as headliners go, you have to make JSP the, the headliner fight. And then after that, um, you know, it's kind of up to everybody else on, on how you want to make it fall. Max Holloway, I definitely think, sits in the middle. Cyborg, probably more towards the top. And then yeah, you have Cody Joanna Red. as, like, the top in the middle. Yeah, definitely. You got Cody Garbrandt. He should be almost ready to defend his title. You got Stipe out there that could be defending his title that same time frame. Um, there, there's a couple things out there, and, and who knows? I mean, seeing, let's let's see what happens with McGregor. I mean, uh, they they fight at the end of of uh, they fight at the end of 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 August, which puts him at almost eight weeks to prepare for his next fight. Will it happen? Probably not. He'll probably take a little break from from it and enjoy himself and enjoy that money that he's going to make. But uh, yeah, definitely with that with that New York card though, you got you cannot leave Chris Weidman out of the New York card. I mean, after his last incident with uh, with that with getting knocked out, uh, I think, uh, or not getting knocked out, getting that illegal knee, um, I think that you got to put New York's own on that card. You put Chris Reitman on there, and you put him against somebody. Put him against Joel Romero again. I mean, there's, there's endless opportunities with fighters from New York. Well, and I think with the Chris, uh, Chris Weidman, you know, you definitely put him at the beginning of the fight card. You put him in somewhere in the middle of the fight card. And by that, I mean you put him in the prelims. Like, you have him as a prelim fight. That's why I think if you said, hey, all five fights are going to be championship fights and everything underneath it is going to be big fights, hey, that's what you get. So someone like Fox could definitely promote it and make a lot of money just by knowing that, hey, if we, and they don't even have to put it on Fox Sports 1, they could put it on Fox Sports. They could put the fight on Fox Sports and say, hey, we're going to put this fight out there and we're going to rock it out. And, uh, you know, Fox will make a lot of money because a lot of people are going to want to watch a Chris Weidman fight or, you know, like you said, you a uh, Yoel Romero fight. You could definitely throw on, you know, another couple of heavyweights where Junior DeSantos, you know, if depending on how he is on his last fight, he can come back. You could definitely put on uh, Alistair Overeem on the fight card. You could definitely do, you know, Mark Hunt. You know, you have lists of names of people who are out there ready to fight, uh, depending well, on Misha Tate. You know, even though she said she was retired, she could definitely come back. Paige Van Zandt still out there. Uh, Michelle Watterson. We have all these names of all these fighters that we can throw out there and say, hey, let's go get you into these fights, and we're going we're gonna to enjoy it. So, yeah, so when you're saying Junior DeContos, I think he's fighting UFC 215, actually. Um I think he's fight. Yeah, he's fighting that uh, that nag that Nagnum Nag Nagnum Nagu guy. Right. That's gonna that he's gonna be in two fifteen. I'm I'm looking at the card right now. Um, that Francis Nagnu, uh, the Predator. He's fighting. They're they're gonna be fighting at two fifteen in September, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, even at that, we do have the we have the expect we have the expected. Uh, Return of Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez could also fit on that UFC two, uh, 217 card. So, I mean, there's, like, a lot of huge fighters that are still available that will be coming back. And let's be honest, man. Donald Cerrone could definitely be on, could pop up on that card, you know, especially being in, in New York. He's definitely going to want to fight under bright lights. 
you know, every fighter, Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, you know, we have names that we could just pull out of the hat that we'd be like, hey, will these guys want to come back and fight? And if they do, how's it going to look? Anderson Silva is still playing around out there, you know? It would, it would be nothing for him to want to come back and fight. So it's definitely yeah. a huge event. We definitely have a lot, of, a lot of dream matchups that you can make happen at UFC 217. Yeah, definitely. I I completely agree with you. And and in the New York, you got the the big lights, the bright lights, the the big names. You got every every star attraction you want coming out because it's Madison Square Garden. It definitely is, and you're not you're talking about a, a historic arena like that. It's definitely massive. I'm definitely excited for UFC 217, especially since we already know that the the main event fight is going to be Bisping versus. GSP, huge fight. We know that uh, GSP has been waiting. We've been all been waiting for GSP to come back and fight now for almost four years. So it'll be definitely fun to see. You know, just kind of throw a name out there, too, of someone that could come back and fight on the same fight card. Forrest Whitaker. You know, I mean, he's he's kind of got... Or Robert Whitaker, I'm sorry. Uh, Whitaker definitely coming back and uh, and fighting in this fight. Uh, you know, he did have some knee damage that kind of... Definitely could be something he could step into. Yeah, definitely. I, I would love to see Robert Whitaker come back on that one. Um, that's going to be an interesting card. That's going to be that's going to be something big. UFC is not going to take that lightly. We both know that, but we'll definitely check it out here soon. We'll know more here in the near future. Hey. Yeah, and here's fun fact, right? Uh, there's another fighter out there who hasn't fought all year so far since since December. Uh, we haven't seen Mickey Gall fight. Mickey Gall is oh definitely God. somebody who could be out there. And, and hey, <laughs> I know because you know how much he's a Mickey Gall fan. Uh, Sage Northcutt is somebody else who hasn't fought in a while. So he definitely could fit on 217. And last but not least, uh, I know that the, the UFC has been talking about wanting to bring on somebody else that could be a big star power. Where's CM Punk? Amen to that one. Thank you. I was just about to say that. Uh, Phil Brooks definitely needs to be on this card. I think that that would be the card for him to say, let's get back at it. And you know what? You even put him as a – you can even put him, like, at the, at the, in the middle of the UFC, like, in a prelim fight, or you even put him on a UFC fight pass. If you want to stack a card and have a card stacked from top to bottom with great fighters and even, like, great promoters, this is where you go. And this is what you do. MSG, there's no reason why not to just put – your biggest foot forward and load this this uh, this card up with talent. And even that, you know, you and I, we both know there are fighters out there that we could definitely say we could still throw more fighters out there if we wanted to. Want to throw a good? Want to throw two guys who want to fight? Hey, let's go grab a let's let's go grab a Jake Ellenberger. He's definitely going to want to throw some punches in this in this fight. You know, um, we want to watch someone get their ass kicked. Hey, let's go grab BJ Penn because he's over five. We can make him over six. But, you know, there's all sorts of people out there that are that are ready to go. Roy, uh, well, Roy Nelson's gone now. He's at Bellator. Uh, Mark Hunt is still out there. Mark Hunt could definitely get into the fight. Well, you also got you also got the uh, the boy wonder I, I, that I absolutely love watching. Uh, you got uh, and he's and he's from New York. He's from, he's from Jamaica Queens. Uh, you got Uriah Hall out there still sitting there. Right. So I mean, we can definitely throw out names for days, and we can. We can put up our dream matches. Maybe that's something that we'll cover next week. 
uh, for UFC, you know, as we're getting ready to talk more about the UFC, and we'll get ready for this uh, McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fight, but we'll definitely talk about our dream matchups. So you and I, we can definitely come up with, uh, you know, I, what is it, 10 fights? We'll come up with our, yeah. our nine fights for the fight, and we'll definitely say what, what we think could could happen. We're kind of trying to make it realistic, but then ultimately, obviously, it's, it's what we want is our dream fights. I mean, yeah, definitely. I'm just going to throw a name out there that I would really love to see come, and it's about time she comes. Uh, Gina Carano definitely seen some headlines that she's been practicing in the gym lately, so hopefully we can, might be able to see her come out. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if Gina makes her return. Um, you know, she's made a lot of money in the in the Hollywood world. And even at that, you know, fun dream matchup, we just tell, hey, Gina, we're going to have you come back and you're going to fight Ronda Rousey. Don't do that to me, dude. That, that's, that's like ripping your heart. I, I just had my heart ripped out. I, just, <laughs> well, I really like just had my heart ripped out last night watching Robbie and Donald go at it. Two two of my top favorite fighters right now have to go at it. And as much as I wanted Cowboy to win, I was kind of rooting for Robbie too. Like, you cannot put my two top female fighters against each other. I will be heartbroken. Well, let's just be honest, man. They're both coming off of losses, and if we throw them into an octagon together, somebody's got to win. Gina came out with a loss like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's just going to wrap it up for us tonight here with uh, Get the KO. You guys, uh, thank you guys so much for subscribing on to uh, our our channel. You know, we want to definitely throw out all of our big wishes to to everybody that just you know, we, we want you guys to keep, you know, putting out the name out there, forget the KO. We definitely enjoy hearing from you guys, and you guys can write us up. Uh, Anthony, go ahead and tell them where they can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on uh, – actually, first, I want to shout out to all the veterans. Uh, I know you do the I know you do the 22. Also, I got – I do. I got your six. Um, I want to shout out to, to all the veterans, everybody that's out there. Do not do not hesitate to reach out to us. Um, Clipper will do say the same thing. Our phones, our Snapchats, our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're all open always for you guys to reach out to us. You can find me on Snapchat and Twitter at my first initial and my last name in the year I was born. That's A Lujan1985. Uh, my Instagram is my Full name, Anthony Lujan. At the end, it's a 1985. Um, go ahead and reach me out there. Follow me on that. Follow us on uh, Your Sports Therapy blog. Uh, and keep pushing this out. Push push our podcast out. Yeah, definitely, guys. And, you know, one thing, too, is, uh, you know, aside from just get the KO on the blog side as well as on the podcast, we do have another one where it's more focused about just all sports, not just necessarily MMA, uh, your uh, your sports therapy. It's all your sports uh, your sports uh, news in one shot, as like we like to call it. Uh, Anthony did write an awesome piece on there earlier about, uh, you know, just – John Bones Jones and the return and stuff. So it was definitely something you guys should check out. Um, if you guys want to check out our review, uh, well, of my review on uh, UFC 214, definitely check it out at uh, gettheko.blogspot.com. Uh, as far as finding me on the media, on social media, you guys can find me on Twitter at cm underscore miller85 or even at gettheko. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to find me on Facebook. Uh, my Snapchat is opened up. It's uh, ice in the vein, so it's I C E N. D-A-V-E-I-N-S. You guys can find me there. Uh, and then if you guys want to reach out to me on Instagram, it's CM underscore Miller 85, kind of like CM Punk, but just CM Miller 85. 
Uh, and we're, we're available all the time. And, you know, Anthony touched on a great point. It's one thing that we talk about all the time. Uh, we usually wrap the show up this way. Uh, you know, shout out to all of our veterans, home front and worldwide. We definitely support you guys. We love you guys. We're always thinking about you guys. Uh, you know, he mentioned I Got Your Six, which is something that I definitely I am in love with, too, uh, as well as Team 22. You know, Team 22 is out there. Uh, you know, we've gone from 22 veterans a day. Uh, committing suicide with one active duty member to 20 and one now. So if we can bring those numbers even further down from 20 to 10 to zero, um, you know, all every every life matters to us as far as like your creed, color, your uh, sexual orientation. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as you're willing to lay your life on the line for red, white, and blue. Uh, we're here for you. We're here standing with you all the time. We don't leave no soldier behind, no airman behind, no sailor behind, no marine behind, no coastie behind. We don't leave you guys behind. We think about you all the time. You're in our thoughts and prayers. We make sure that we we look out for you guys because you guys look out for us. So definitely want to give a huge shout-out to all of our soldiers and airmen and sailors and marines and our Coast Guard uh, out there. Definitely, uh, like 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 we always touch out. Don't ever not want to reach out to us. We are here. We know what you're going through. We understand it, and we sympathize with everything that you're going through. Yep, and just like you said, uh, you know, there's there's one more light, and uh, you know, people always often care, often say, you know, who cares about one more light? Well, you have two voices right here who tell you that we care, and we're here for you guys. So with that being said, though, this is Get to KO. You guys have just heard our reviews. Next week, we're going to definitely talk about uh, the Conor McGregor, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather fight, as well as we're going to be talking about our dream matchups for UFC 217. So with that being said, I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. As always, is my co-host, Anthony Lou Lujan, and we will see you guys next time.